Cooker, looking good today. Thanks, Rogers. It's exciting out here. We've got, I think, almost 70 degrees. I'm debating on doing, I have a couple house projects I've been putting off. And um, one is I have an old table for the rooftop deck that has been weathered. And I was thinking about, you know, bringing it to life. And so I was really looking for easy ways to do that. I think I'm going to end up painting it, but that doesn't feel as easy because there's four chairs and a table. So then I just stop a little analysis paralysis, but that might be on, it's beautiful weather, no rain expected. So might be something on the horizon for today. What about you? What's going on with you? Is that a centerpiece item to your? It is, it is not a centerpiece. It's just, you know, a little table and chairs. In just, it's just, just a little something. A little something, something. A little character builder. Right. Builder. Exactly. Maybe I'll just throw a pot of flowers on it and there it just brings life to it itself. So that's a simple way to get it done. Sometimes go. I like my hand, try my hand at DIY. You're good at that. I need to get better at it. I mowed the lawn this morning and I did uh, my fourth day of uh, traffic duty at school. Oh, I remember that when I was fifth grade. I used to be a captain. Oh, I was a lieutenant. I got yeah. beat out by a classmate of mine who was a rival all the way through high school. Yeah. Yeah. Second. Not, not as fun as that, I would imagine, but I have to keep <laughs> traffic flowing. So her, our kids' school is at the end of a, a, a kind of a boulevard. There's it's a dead end. So families have to drop their kid off and go all the way around the school and then exit the same way they entered. And it's crazy. So for four days, I got to be the guy that kept the flow going. How did you do? Did you get an A plus? I thought I did really well for three of the four days. Yesterday was a bit choppy. I had to deal with some parents that like to just stop and drop their kid off wherever they want and not keep the flow going. So how did you, was, how did you uh, manage those intercede on their behalf? Well, I've got a stop sign and a go stop or slow. Props, I turn props it. is what you're saying. Props. Yes, I use props and I do a lot of swinging like I'm a rock guitarist. That's fantastic. Yeah. Do you have any big plans for the weekend coming up? I mean, again, uh, the weather's picking up out there. I wish I was in a more exciting human being. There will probably be more lawn work and and maybe a round of golf. And that's that's always my hope. So played nine holes yesterday, hoping to get nine in on Sunday. And and I've got practice, basketball practice tonight in a couple hours. And Basketball practice on Saturday. I'm excited about my kids. I, I love them. They're playing hard and learning a lot. Excellent. Yeah. And when, when are they, are they done in a few weeks with school? Yeah, next week or yeah, next week, next week, their, their last week. So and then we'll, we'll practice a couple of days a week and do a summer camp and kind of get through the summer, just give them a chance to get to know me. And I'm a, uh, I'm a little bit crazy when I coach, so they have to get a little bit comfortable with my crazy energy, my tone, and my sense of humor and sarcasm. And your kids or your basketball kids? Basketball. Oh, like, my oh. kids know my sarcasm inside and out. <laughs> I would think so by now. I would. Hope oh so. yeah. Have they seen you as a basketball coach? Um, this is the first time that they've really seen me coach, coach. So they find it funny. <laughs> You're like, that wasn't what I was going for. I'm serious. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're serious here. We're not looking to have fun right now. Yeah. They, they find it. They find great humor in how I coach. 
my my son he's you know he's so afraid to you know curse and he's always if i swear he's always catching me on it and telling me daddy that's a bad word and one of the boys did something something. yeah i need that we did that for a while but my my mouth got better um one of the boys did something i go man that was that was a sexy move what you just did right there (laughs) and my son Cade, that was the first thing he said after practice he was like dad you 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 said the s word i go i said s-h-i-t and he goes no (laughs) s-e-x-y and i go is that a bad word (laughs) he goes yeah isn't it (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i like it i don't think i like it at all Oh, yeah. I, I think the 17 year old boy that I said it to he it was take he took it a little bit he came he took it with a little alarm too yeah he's like Ooh. <laughs> I, had to, I had to explain why that was sexy what he yeah. just or I again because I'm focused on the DIY I was watching some HGTV and um I've heard the words like Nate Burkus and Jeremiah Brent they say handsome a lot oh that's yeah. very handsome you know yeah. that, that, that design looks handsome so yeah oh that's good you yeah know? So that's fun. Well, let's talk about our get de- uh, excuse me, our guest, Daryl Sneed. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, what's just a nice, we, we got done with the interview just a few minutes ago and just some of the thoughts that you have for our listeners to kind of keep an ear out for. Yeah, I think, I, I think the first part of the interview, we, we've done our normal thing where we really get to the genesis of who they are and how they grew up and kind of where their career went. But I think if you hang on the last 30 minutes where we get into Daryl's new company, um, Sound Off, and what he's doing to create a voice for diversity and, and tolerance and inclusion and what he's doing with his clothing line to create conversation, it's fantastic. Um, uh, I am just thrilled that I know him. I'm so thankful that I know what he's doing and, and I can... I can share his his message and his product with other people, but um, once you get through the interview, you'll understand why this guy is uh, amazing before he even got into the clothing line, but what he's doing with the clothing line and his graphic design and his messaging and his mission, it's going to blow up. And, the, and, and as you're going to see in a few weeks, the WNBA has already bought in to his message and is partnering with him and, and that's some big time stuff there so yeah, it was great right. i enjoyed it great guest yeah. um again matt you were talking about sound awesome that's daryl's company and so if those that want to like take a look at that company prior to hearing this interview it's soundoffdesign.com so check it out matt did while we were in the interview he did a real-time view and uh I think has a few things in the shopping cart for his daughter as I well. I do. I have one, a couple things for me and a couple things for my daughter already. So got so some cool exciting. birthday. She's going to get some cool birthday presents. That's very exciting. So with that, I hope you guys enjoy the interview with Daryl Sneed. Daryl Sneed, welcome to Be Significant. We're so excited to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Happy to share my Be Significant story. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So we would just love to get the podcast kicked off a little bit to tell our listeners a little bit about you, um, kind of, you know, where you're born and just, you know, that this origin start story. And then we're just going to dive in and maybe fast forward to kind of where you are now. But we've got you've got such an interesting background. I think we're going to 
try to get a little provocative in this in this interview. So um, let's turn it <laughs> over to you initially. Yeah, tell us a little bit about you. Wow. Okay, where it all started? It started on a in a rural farm in Tennessee. Uh, so that's all great stories. Two. All great stories start on a rural farm. In all great stories. I mean, hey, I, I read Little House on the Prairie uh, in grade <laughs> school, so I, I I know the beginning. So yeah, I grew up on a, a, a working farm in rural Tennessee. Um, still, very much. Um, I'm the youngest of nine siblings. It's the best um, place to be, though, don't you feel? I always say they stopped as the youngest because they hit perfection, or at least that's what I tell my parents. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Uh, I was very good in math, um, so I, I, I quickly uh, deduced that I was not a plan uh, because my next sibling is seven years older than I am, mm. Uh, and I'm like, uh, there's no woman who's going to have eight children and then seven years later go, yeah, Let's do one more time. I mean, it's just so much fun. I, um, I think I can raise you on that one, Daryl. Okay. My, my mom had four, and then eleven years later had me. Okay, that that's <laughs> a that's a race. That's a race. That's a, that's yeah. a good that's a good poker table race. I, I'm with you. Not planned. Not planned. <laughs> but you know, very much part of the family. It was all you know. It was all great. So. It was great, you know, in that aspect of I was part of a big family, but I was almost kind of like an only child to a certain degree as well, because, mm. you know, all my siblings, by the time, you know, I was getting into, you know, teens and high school, you know, they were, you know, very much, you know, I had their peer groups, they had their great, you know, network. So, you know, I kind of, you know, just built my own, you know, identity, you know, being, you know, in a in a large family, a very much of a, you know, working family, because uh, most of my siblings, um, went into the farm um, operation. Mm -hmm. So, and they still operate it still today. So- What are you, you farming know. or what was the farming? Um, so my father started it. He started it like with an acre and a, and a mule. Um, and today it's about 10,000 plus acres of mostly grain. Uh, so cotton, soybean, uh, corn-based uh, uh, agriculture. So, wow. you know, truly built in, an enterprise from- you know, the very beginnings of, you know, I got, I got a view, I got, I got an acre. Um, and, you know, really built a family business on top of that, that now five of my brothers run and operate their families off of it. So um, great. I, of course, was like, yeah, that looks way dirty. Um, so it uh, looks like a lot of work and uh, I'm kind of good. Um, so I was kind of the, the house helper um, for most of my uh, growing up years, and I, I, I was infused early on as um, you're going to be the first doctor in the family. It's like that is if there's anything I, I probably heard more in my youth. Uh, was, you know, it was like, what are you going to be? I'll be a doctor. I'll be a doctor. I'll be a doctor. Um, and you know, most of my high school uh, going into college, you know, I had, a, you know, I would say I, I, I'm, I'm left, right brain. And we'll talk about how both sides of the brains kind of came, came in, came in development over the, over the career. But, you know, I had a very, you know, higher analytic aptitude. You know, I got, I did really well in science. I did really in math. So, you know, it, it kind of like the, the, the needle kind of pointed to that direction of kind of like, you know, it makes sense to, you know, go to, go to, go to this route. Um, but I also had a very creative, um, you know, I remember my early teens, like I loved reading, 
you know, stories on design and fashion. And, you know, I even tried to sketch, but, you know, it's not, it's not the career you say you're going to kind of go into, you know, when you're living in rural Tennessee, that's like, you know, I would be a fashion designer. Um, so, you know, you kind of like, you know, pick the path that's going to, you know, your parents are going to like kind of keep you on um, and, and help you finance your way through it as well. So um, I went to undergrad um, at Rhodes College. Um, I was a biochem pre-med major. Um, so most people have shock at that when they, they hear that like you're a biochem major. And I still have shock at it because I sometimes pull down my, um, I have my books still from my undergrad. I pull down the books and it's literally like reading like Greek. Uh, I, well, like, I don't even know how I even understood 90% of this stuff because um, if someone asked me a formula right now, um, it would be very hard pressed for me to tell you if it would blow up or something. So I finished it um, my junior year um, as all of my friends were eagerly getting ready for MCATs and applying to med schools and writing med school essays. I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I think I'm out. <laughs> I think this is where I officially draw my line in the sand and say, uh, no, um, another four years of school, another two years of residency, internships, fellowships. And if it's not, if it's not in your core, if it's not in your soul, I had friends who were like, you know, that, that was what they wanted to do. Like they woke up every day excited to go to class because they were going to be a physician, a cardiologist, an ortho, and they knew exactly their path. And I woke up going, yeah, not, not, not my, not my joy. Did uh, you feel that along the way? Or did you have some people kind of talk to you about other opportunities or other options you could do that? got you thinking that you could be bold enough to say, even though this is what I've always been told I should do, I'm not doing it. <laughs> to be honest, um, I knew. I knew freshman year. Okay. I knew. It was it, it was always in the back of my head of like, am I doing this? Am I doing this to please others? Um, because I have the capability of doing it, or is this something that I truly want to do? Um okay. So, but, you know, you, you know, until you come into your own and just, you know, you're kind of met sometimes with those, you know, kind of key decision points in your life where you're like, okay, you know, are you going to invest another 200 some thousand dollars of, you know, capital into, you know, years of work, hard work, you know, and yeah, there's a, there's a better life on the other side of it, you know, but are you going to be happy in it? And are you going to look back and go, yeah, I want to redo the whole thing over again. And it's like, so yeah, I knew, and I think by junior year, when, when you came to that, like you're, you're not going to make a, a real um, hard right. Um, you, you kind of like, okay, no, I'm not gonna, I need, I need to be honest to everybody. And, you know, my family was fine. We had, a, we had a great conversation. They were like, you know, anything but law. Uh, so I have no idea what was up with lawyers. I was like, uh, it was something I actually contemplated. Uh, but they were like, yeah, we no law, no law school. So I, I finished the biochem, PCHEM, um, my degree. I went to uh, business school. So I applied to grad school business for my MBA. So as a path to balance out, you know, what, what it, I still had a passion for healthcare. So it wasn't that I was wanting to necessarily 
get out of healthcare. It was like, I didn't want to practice medicine. So doctor, I, yeah. the, I was like, the business side of medicine actually seemed pretty interesting. So I decided to go um, and I applied, I did my GMATs, um, applied to several business schools. Um, I got into Washington University, um, the John Olin, Olin School of Business at WashU, and I started um, the September after I graduated in May. Uh, after undergrad, which is not the most typical path to to business school. Most most paths are people work, you know, at least you know two three years, and then they go back and do their MBA, and it's usually like the the rung on the ladder, you know, type of thing. Um, I was a, I present as a little bit of a unique uh, because I wasn't coming in with necessarily a business background. Like I wasn't a finance major, I wasn't an accounting major, I wasn't a marketing undergrad major. You know, so the combination of like science and then adding the MBA. So, you know, I was able to kind of package it as a, a, a more interesting kind of combination as to why I wanted to go to business school. Um, so I entered business school and, you know, in, in hindsight, um, I would say it's not the best path. You know, if, if somebody was going to suggest like, do they, should they go to grad business school out of undergrad? I would say probably not. Um, I think the disadvantage I had in business school was not having some work experience, uh, particularly when you get into topics talking about team dynamics and how to build consensus building, um, you know, just not having any of that core experience. You know, I learned, I, le I say I learned osmotically by working, you know, in teams with people who had worked, you know, in larger companies who had come from work experiences. So, they were able to bring their knowledge of like, hey, when I've done this before, here, here's what worked, here's what didn't work. But it's another thing where you can add something to the conversation from your own experience. So, and that's just an experience that I could do the academics. The academics were really easy. Um, I think compared to some of my, my classmates who had stepped out of academics for a period and who came back and had to relearn all of the, you know, studying and, you know, writing papers, stuff like that. For me, it was like super easy. I was like, why are you guys studying the library so much? I'm like, this is like a night before exam. Like, this is like not that hard. So academically, easy. Application, I probably I probably could have had an advantage, you know, hadn't had taken at least a year or two. Right. Uh, so then you overeducated, you went right into it. How did you then decide do you, to get into the healthcare? Like, tell me you, you got through this MBA program, probably stellarly. Um, and then tell me kind of like that first step of choices to make to get into the professional world. So then it became where, like, what, where do I start? Mm -hmm. um, and majority of my friends, you know, when we were graduating, were going into management consulting. Um, yeah. So, you know, they were all interviewing at, you know, then it was the big eight probably then you know so Arthur, yeah. I mean yeah I mean it started you know Arthur Pete, uh, Pete Marwick um, you know there was a, a litany of consultancies you know that everyone was going into and so and I thought about going that path um, but part of it was I was you know I was like I really don't know what a hospital even does I mean I, like I understand you know the science of healthcare because I had done biochem I had done pre-med and now I had you know some business application so I, I made the decision, like, I would rather start at the bottom and really kind of understand if I'm, if I want to end up in management consulting, which is where I wanted to end up, but if I truly want to be, for me, I was like, if I want to be the most effective in helping organizations think about what they're going to do, I should probably actually go in and figure out what a hospital does mm -hmm. uh, and how it operates. 
So I was actually fortunate enough um, to find opportunity um, in an internal consulting role, it was an internal uh, consulting and um, internal audit department um, for one of the largest uh, health systems in St. Louis as an uh, academic teaching hospital uh, in St. Louis. And basically, because I had the MBA, so I had the knowledge of like, you know, I, I, my MBA was around operations and marketing. Um, and I had, you know, some science uh, pre-med background. I got the role uh, as an operations analyst. And over those two, two and a half years after my MBA, I had the opportunity to work in every aspect of the hospital. I worked on the nursing floors. I worked in the OR. I worked in the ED. I worked in the business patient financial services area. Uh, I did some stuff in pharmacy. I did some stuff in lab. So it was the it was the foundation I needed, you know, and the right type of organization to truly like. Okay, now I know the inner workings. You know, I worked with senior leaders. I worked with mid managers. I worked with staff level. Um, and just understanding the dynamics of a health system. Um, it was also a little bit enough to know that, okay, I don't know if I want to necessarily work for a health system um, after being inside of it. Um, but it also gave me the opportunity to work with management consultants because we worked with a number of management consultants. So I think at the time we had, um, I had a chance to work with um, Booz Allen, mm -hmm. uh, if, if people remember Booz Allen Hamilton. Um, and so it, it gave me some insight into management consulting as, as well um, and how they operated because I worked closely with them on, on a couple of initiatives that we were doing. So from that, then I parlayed that into, okay, now I want to go and work across multiple type of health systems, see, you know, what are health systems across, you know, East Coast, West Coast, North, South, academic, community, uh, regional health systems, and that best opportunity was to end up in management consulting. So that's how I ended in Chicago. Um, I applied um, at, at Arthur Anderson um, for their business consulting uh, division and got role there as a consultant and joined. And that started a roughly about 10, 10 plus year journey uh, in management consulting. So in healthcare. So across, I was Arthur Anderson, the Computer Science Corp. Um, and then my last kind of true management consulting um, from on the delivery side was with uh, SG2, uh, which is based here in Chicago. Interesting. That's great. Uh, hey, Daryl, I'm going to read your four of your titles that you've had over the years to you <laughs> before I ask this question. Senior consultant, vice president of consulting, chief talent officer, and culture chief. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on stage. TED Talk. Daryl Sneed, TED Talk. And here's, here's what I want you to answer, because you've been doing this a long time. You've been at every level. You've been the boss, and now you're the boss of your own company. Um, obviously, diversity and inclusion is important to you, as it is to me, and it is to Beth. We've, we've, all three of us have had to deal with talent acquisition at just about every level. So here's your TED Talk. What is talent acquisition doing in corporate, corporate America? What are they doing wrong? And how would you fix it? Is that too much pressure? <laughs> and, I, no, and I want uh, you to speak no, freely, no. like you, the three of us are never, ever going to get a job again or no one's ever going to listen to this because I want to <laughs> learn from you because Beth and I keep having these conversations about talent acquisition. And, get in, and I know teams are a big deal. You see teams as the foundation of companies. What are we, what are all these companies doing wrong in building their people and building their teams? 
Okay, so this is the easy question section. Uh, that's really great. So uh, <laughs> I told you, I, was, like to I, I, co I come open barrel. I want, I want to learn from you. Hey, let, let's let's just jump jump into it. So uh, hopefully, someone will actually talk to me after this podcast uh, <laughs> roll again. Um, you know, it, there there's a couple things that I think, from a talent acquisition standpoint, um, is vital as we think about this diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging journey. First of all, to, to truly build diversity, just diversity, you gotta, you gotta start looking in different places. Um, and, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll use a couple examples, you know, just in my recent, you know, job search. And it's a, it's a continuing thread, you know, of being on the side of having run you know, having had talent acquisition under me and now seeing it, you know, live from the other side of the table from the from um, uh, being in the in the job market space of. Uh, it's very easy to write about DEI. If, I mean, I have read every website of every company I've thought about and we it's like it's like boilerplate and it's table stakes. Like if, if you don't even have it on your website, you're, you're not yeah. even, yep. you're not even going to be uh, a, a reasonable choice you know, for particularly for the emerging workforce. When you start getting into, particularly into more experienced, you know, for me, like your mid senior executive roles, and there's the, there's the desire, like, you know, we're, we, we want, we want to increase more diversity at senior levels. We want to increase more diversity at, 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 at mid level so we can increase pool. You can't go in on under the same assumption of qualifications. Like you read the JD and I'm like, if you're going to find diverse can diverse candidates that have all these experiences, it's impossible. There's just not enough um, mentorship uh, development uh, of candidates of diverse background that have all the qualifications. You know, I've had three conversations. You know, from an interview process, who've like, you know, we love your background, but we've decided to go with somebody with people who've, you know, they've had like five years of working with venture capital companies to scale companies to X, Y, and Z. They've done, they've had the seven, eight years of this and this and the other. And I'm like, you can look at my resume and see, I don't, I mean, I, I, there are things in there like, yeah, very much. I don't have, it doesn't mean that I can't do it. Um, but when, when do you, when do you move to skill? Like what are the things we're looking for versus I want, you know, five, eight, 10, 12, which to some degree automatically um, changes the 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 how you look at your funnel of who's in there because it just blocks people. It's blocks people out. It's like the classic, you know, when I was going into management consulting, um, and a lot of the top tier consultancies, you know, they're like we recruit at, you know, we only recruit at the top five, you know, MBA programs. Well, you've just naturally built in um, a, a a funnel on top of a funnel. Because, and it's like, but you have this like, you know, but we want to build more diversity. We want to build this. I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a counterpoint conversation. Um, you can't, you can't do both unless you're truly going to open the aperture on how do you increase more flow of, of, of candidates of diverse background and either or into roles where they're going to have an accelerated mentorship and journey um, so that they can build a skill set to get into the more senior roles. Or you say, like, what are the real what are the real kind of skills we're looking for? And maybe not the the, the, the tried and true, like we need somebody who's done it, the reps, you know, 15 times. 
um, because it's just a natural, it's just a natural disqualifier for a lot of candidates adverse background. So it's a, you know, talent acquisition, you know, I say has um, the opportunity now, like there's a lot of people in the workforce. Um, there's a lot of people looking, um, but I think it's always a challenge of how do you work with senior leaders of like, what are we trying to really, are we, are we, if, we're, if we're really going to push on the DEI aspect and really try to increase diversity, we got to change the way how we're going to really be able to qualify candidates in and, and say like, you know, it may not, you may not get a hundred percent of everything on this JD. So what's the, what's the true give if we want to increase, you know, the population of diverse candidates so that we're truly looking at uh, a level playing field, uh, a candidates in the funnel. Okay. So what yeah. do you do? What do you do? Ex execute it for me. Day, day one of the job. I'm your director of talent acquisition. What are you telling me? You're kicking me in the butt and saying, Matt, I need this. And this is what we're going to do better. We're going to do this differently than we've ever done it before. That we're going to ever do it before. So, you know, a lot of it is, um, you know, they're, they're the HBC programs. I mean, they're, so they have alumni programs. There are there. I mean, every university, you know, if it's Harvard, Howard, Spelman, uh, Stanford, um, they all have long alumni networks. They have people who spend their days trying to find um, careers and jobs and opportunities for grads, new grads, under it takes building relationship. You have to step out of the out of the computer, um, step out of the laptop, step out of LinkedIn, go and meet, go and greet, go and do introductions. Um, help me find talent who fit this model so that I can increase the number of people that's coming into my flow. It is, we have gotten so um, set on AI and tech, um, we're losing the nature of, it is still about conversation and human relationships at the end of the day. Um, that, that, that at the core is what it's about. I mean, so, you know, for me, you know, so you mentioned my five, my, my four titles. Um, you know, I went from VP of consulting to chief talent officer, literally in a day. It was not chief talent officer, culture, people ops. None of this was ever in my journey. Um, when I was like, so when I was talking about like pre-med and I went to business school, then I went to hospital operations, I went to management consulting. There is nothing in my business school um, years that I was like, my path is to become a chief people, HR, talent officer. Uh, it was a single day, um, August of 2007. Um, my One of my good friends, I think Beth, I think you know Jill, um, she was our chief talent officer. We were, we were great friends. We worked really well together. Obviously, we worked closely because I was running consulting at the time. Um, she was ready to take her next journey and her next leap. And she she came to me that day and it's like, hey, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna I'm I'm resigning. Um, and you know, we had a great conversation. And within an hour after she resigned, she called. She's like, I resigned. Um, uh, Michael, who is our chairman, and CEO, he wants to talk to you. And I'm like, I don't quite know how I have any part in this conversation. And he found me within uh, about 20 minutes uh, and was like. So what do you think about coming interim chief talent officer? <laughs> and the look on my face was like, I, I don't even understand what you're asking me. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> what does one do when they're doing that? I know what Jill did, but what does one do? <laughs> I was like, you know, what in my background, you know, would ever have leaned to uh, chief talent officer? It's like, and, a, it's like a spelling bee. You have to ask them to use it in a sentence. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> could, you, could, you, could you use this in a sentence? <laughs> um, and we had a very forthright conversation um, about why, like, why me? Like, you know, of everyone in the company, of who we could go out and attract in the marketplace. You know, at that point in time, we were over 200 people. You know, we had truly made a lot of mark in healthcare. Um, and, you know, so, and his, and we had, we had a very good conversation. We obviously ended up very well because I ended up becoming the chief talent officer. And his view of it was wanting somebody who understood, someone who understood what we do as a business, what we do to deliver to our clients, um, how we deliver it, and finding people who basically can re-emulate that in the marketplace. So it's like, and that's somebody who has been in the role and done it. And I, you know, even though I was EPA consulting, I worked across every part of that business. So I knew how every piece worked together. I knew every senior leader. I knew basically every staff member. So his view was, I want you to build a strategy of how we take what we do and grow it beyond that. Um, and we can build the functionality underneath that. So my view of going into it was to build relationships. My view of it was to go in, like, how do I, you know, one, as being the only person of color um, in a senior leader role in a company, uh, pretty much the only person of color above a director uh, level uh, in a company. So it was a an opportunity that someone gave me, even though I didn't have 10 years of HR experience, nine years of being in a senior executive role, X, Y, and Z, he gave me an opportunity to apply what he knew I could do, which was I can vision on a white. I mean, I from management consulting, I'm like, I've been thrown in more, more things that I have no idea, like, you know, client-wise of like, we need to go and do this for this client. I'm like, okay. Um, and you know, you just go in, you put your, you figure it out, you you problem solve and you engage with the with your clients and you do it. Um, so he knew that I what I knew and what skills I had that I could have built this role and, and, and build it out. So that transferable skill model, I've been talking about that for a while. That's perfect. And then fast forward too, because now you're an entrepreneur as well. So talk to me about, you know, you mentioned early childhood, you did a little bit of fashion and drawing and, you know, tell us a little bit about your company now. And then how is it all bridging together from your perspective? It's a very, it's a very, I've, and I've had a lot of uh, time over the last year to introspectively go, how did I end up here? And now I understand exactly how it's all, all roads led to this point. Um, SoundOff was started actually in 2017, 16. It was an idea. Um, it, it, was, it was born between my periods of when I left SG2 before I started as, uh, chief, as a head of talent, chief culture officer for Avia. And it was in response to creating a, a streetwear graphic lifestyle apparel business um, that, that capitalized on the groundswell of people finding identity. So 2016, we all know the election that happened. We all saw a lot of people find voice, people find their, they, they need to have their journey be be understood and seen 
in, re in respect to what was happening, you know, in our political. And we thought that was a great time to bring about a brand. So that's why the name Sound Off. Like people were wanting to sound off on what they saw happening around them. So we used graphic design, apparel, basically create a language um, that helped people communicate. Like yeah. here's here's what I want to put out in the world about me, about what I see going on. Um, you know, and you know, from the business end, we built it on the, you know, it was the it was the very tail end of the e-com, like build it and they will come. Like that was the beginning. That it was a it was a curve of like you could put anything online and people were just like because people were just driving to online. We 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 came into the very tail end of it. So it was like, yeah, you gotta do a little bit more than just put up a, a website. Um so you know. 2020, literally a lot of plans changed. Uh, 2021, you know, it was a little bit of like, you know, where are we, where are this and the other? And then when I left um, my role at, at Avia in 2022, um, it was an opportunity for me. Um, so I'm, I'm still the only operating founder in the business. And it was a it was a year where I was going to like either either this is something I'm just going to completely just say hey it was a lot of investment it was a great opportunity but you know I'm going to just move it over to the side or I was going to figure out how to actually take this and build something uniquely off of it and what I came out of Avia and my role there uh, and just seeing what was happening in the talent acquisition uh, DEI space was. People were trying to find the way to bridge culture uh, and how to make culture more um, tactile. Like, how do you touch culture? How do you how do you make it truly a much more enriched environment? Um, not not just solely you know in terms of like what you wear lifestyle, but also uh, in corporate. So I I built the idea of turning sound off into a vehicle that could help people truly personalize um, and in, 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 envelop, in, in, involve their story um, of here's where I see myself. So, and that's one of the, I think the biggest uh, opportunities in corporate, um, when, you, when you look at the broader um, people, HR operations uh, and the culture journey is that people are looking to find their individual individuality within a big community. Mm -hmm. So my my current um, tagline is there isn't an I in team, but there is one in community and a corporate organization is made up of multiple communities. It is one community made up of multiple communities and coming out of the pandemic and coming out of the, you know, work from home, hybrid, um, return to office, you know, wherever, wherever you are in the journey. And when you read anything about the Gen X generation and how they are evolving in their workspace and becoming much more part of the workforce, it, it all comes back to culture. It all comes back to how do I see myself? It's, it's like, you know, if I'm, if I'm contributing my superpower, super talent um, to this mission and purpose. So we're, we're here for a shared purpose. We're here for a shared mission to execute on something. Um, Am I being seen? Am I being um, am I being viewed as part of the full team? Um, and does this organization um, acknowledge, you know, on what part of the community journey am I? Because um, at the end of the day, people just want to be they want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to be they want to they want to feel that, you know, it's like 
I always, you know, it's love that, you know, when people were like, you know, I want to interview people that I want to go have a beer with after work. I'm like, it's not necessarily about, you know, going out with people to have beer after work. Uh, it's like, you know, do you respect people? Do they, do they contribute? Do you, do you respect them? It's like, do you acknowledge or who they are? Yeah. With who they are. And when you see what's happening on the outside, like when we're off hours, um, if we don't, if we don't acknowledge that people aren't impacted by external events and how they work um, on a day-to-day basis, um, you are, you're, 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 you're just minimizing, um, you know, the role of how culture can truly either empower people uh, and endear them to actually do more for purpose and shared, shared mission, um, or just completely dissociate and say like, you know, and I think that's where the Gen Z generation is like, you know, any of them can like, I can pick up and go and do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. Um, so if I'm going to spend 50, 60, 70 hours of my time, you know, working at a company that doesn't even acknowledge, you know, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, you know, that, you know, everyone needs a little bit of a mental break every so often, because it's like, we're all just processing so much information at a, at a single point in time. Um, you know, that's just, I think, part of where people are right now. So, so how are you evolving that, um, you know, idea to to create conversations or create individual identification to be able to be part of a shared community? So we actually are, I, I, I like to say the word pioneering, um, because I, I like to say we're, we're the first out of the gate. So that called that equals pioneering. Absolutely. Uh, of making apparel personalizable. Um, so I, I created a, a section within the sound off brand. Um, I, I have, I have called it now it's called swag. Um, it's, which is, which stands for sound off wearer, wearer adaptable gear. Um, and basically it is taking, um, a similar thread of how the military uses the uniform as a cohesion tool, as an identifier, um, and it's also used as a, a celebration and recognition of accomplishment and achievement um, and adapting it to both our general retail lifestyle, but then also adapting it to how to help organizations and brands use the same principle of how you can reach either your fans. So if it's a brand that's trying to reach, you know, the community of consumers that engage with them, you know, through a, a fan base, or how do you make fans of your employees? Um, how do you how do you engage your employees to see, you know, wow, this is great. The company lets, you know, sees me to recognize my tenure. They see me to recognize, you know, this accomplishment. They see me to recognize, you know, that pride is more than one month um, in the month of, of, of June and, and every year that, you know, we can recognize um, our Asian, Asian American Pacific Islanders, you know, year round. Um, and, and give the employee some power to let them visualize their identity um, as they want to celebrate their identity within the brand. So basically- so that's through patches, right? Through the patches. So basically we, take, we took the methodology from um, the military of how they used engineered uh, Velcro panels uh, into their uniform, and we've engineered them into traditional lifestyle streetwear pieces. So your traditional hoodie, your traditional sweatshirt, your um, your snapback, um, we've done it on bags. So we've taken the same principle that if people have the ability to personalize and, and communicate who they are, 
um, does that does that elevate their overall joy, recognition, um, power in the brand? Um, it's and it's just taking the same principle for marketing identity, brand identity. You know, every time I go by the Golden Arches, I immediately have an emotional response, um, and that's that's the power of visual. Our brains are ninety percent visually wired. So if somebody from um, your, your, your team is wearing something that celebrates X, um, or when you're wearing out, you wear it outside of work and someone asks you, it's like, well, what does that mean? You now have something you can like, oh my God, this was so great. This was something we, that I got recognized for, like only X number of people got this recognition. Like you, you're creating stories. At the end of the day, you want you want your team, your fans, um, however you want to you know categorize them to create stories that 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 put themselves in like here's why I work here, here's why I go to this team. Um, we've had the great opportunity this year to for our biggest I would say you know the biggest proof of concept we get asked for. Um, we are doing this for the Chicago Sky Team, uh, the WNBA in Chicago, um, and it's it's built on the foundation of we have fans that cut that touch every community that we can imagine. So we have things that, you know, that people, you know, that touch mental health awareness, women's health, LGBTQ plus, um, HBCUs, like they, they already do this um, in so many ways. So we were able to work with them of like creating this uh, apparel and, 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 and bag product that would be able to carry patches that commemorate all the things that they stand for, but let the fan also be able to like wear it out proudly and go, I celebrate the, the Chicago sky because they celebrate me. So yeah, I love it. that's one of the strongest things you can do as a brand is to basically have a walking billboard, a person who's like, this is why, this is why I go to the game. This is why I celebrate them because they see me in the stand. Matt and I were just talking this, uh, our last interview that we did. And when we were catching up, you know, I told him I watched Air. Have you seen that movie yet? I've heard, I've, it's on my list and I've heard several. So good. And yeah, it just came out on Prime. And so again, it's just, it's it's obviously a throwback to when they broke all the rules, kind of sound like pioneering um, to get Michael Jordan to sign with Nike, which was a big running tennis shoe at the time. You know, he was looking at Converse and looking at Adidas. And those were the ones that, you know, every basketball player tended to wear and so just it's a really great movie we were talking about it and there's also I think different other aspects you know I always look for the deeper meaning of just movies not just to tell the story but I thought it was just a great story but you know you should put that on the list rank it as number one because it, really it, sure. it, it, it is top of my list uh, of watching because I, I, I think it is one of the you know the best stories of how personality branding um, you know, and engaging you know, a fan base, you know, can, can triangulate, um, you know, very well. So it's, and that's, that, that's what we're, what's what we're attempting to do and then attempting to do that. So basically I'm just taking my consulting background, all my talent, HR culture background, and now the fashion piece and just basically like kind of squashing it all together. Uh, yeah. How can you help companies reach their their employees um, or their fans um, or their customers um, and and make it something that people can actually touch and feel and wear and you you immediately increase awareness you increase um, the emotional attachment to it uh, and you create a visual cue 
Uh, that reminds people, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I remember when I got this, like this was so cool. And this, you know, it, it, it just, it just envelops people into the story uh, of what you're trying to create. Excuse me. Daryl, I'm on your website right now, your sound off design. Mm -hmm. it, you've got some amazing stuff, man. And I, I encourage anybody listening um, to go, it's soundoffdesign.com. Do I have that right? You have it correct. And you're a hell of a model, man. I, I think if this doesn't work out, you can get in the model. Beth can tell you that is not my passion in life. <laughs> I but you, you sell your stuff, my friend. You wear yeah. it well. Well, uh, there, I, I would say, you know, there are people whose love and passion um, do it better. Uh, so um, it, I've been I've been an interim fill in, um, and over the last two weeks, I've been getting uh, everything shot on body um, because it is not my joy to get in front of camera, but I will do it as I need to. I love it. Yeah, there's some some stuff I want to get for myself. There's some stuff I want to get for my daughter. I have a I have an almost 14 year old daughter, and she's she's gonna love your website. She's gonna love all of it. How do you, as, as someone that created this and, you know, and when you, when you walk down your street and if you see three people walking down the street you see white guy, a black guy and a Asian guy walking down the street and they've got your stuff on, how does that make you feel? Uh, like, like the arrows are right, right in the center of the dartboard. I mean, mm -hmm. it, that's, at the end of the day, you know, and when someone's like, you know, when do you know you've made it? Uh, when I see a diverse group of people wearing something I created and understand why. What would you, what would you tell somebody that goes, I, I don't know if that's me. I don't, I don't know if I, if somebody would look at me the wrong way, if I wore that, what would you tell them? <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell you two stories on that. Uh, one, one was uh, I had someone brand new walk up the street. So we have a studio on the north side of Chicago in Edgewater, um, and we're actually going to be doing some uh, renovation on it over the summer. And it's going to be even more community engaging and tapping into music and all kinds of uh, other stuff. But I had someone walk in off the street one Saturday and I was there working and they were walking around and we were chatting and they were like, it, it said, like, can I tell you something? I walk in here and I don't, I see something for every human being around this room. I see gay, I see I see people of color, I see just general like, you know, humanity. Like there's there is no one can walk in here do not do not feel like they are not represented in this brand. Um which is exactly how I wanted it to come out. Um the second story of this was we did a design in our early years. Um and you know, so the headphones is our is our logo, it's our logo identity. It stands for vibe because everyone has a vibe. So um, that's, that's what the headphone stands for. And so we've done, um, we have this series called Idols that we do on the headphones. And it's basically like, you know, how do you use the headphones to represent uh, illusion? How do you use the headphones to represent provocateur? So we've done different uh, treatments to the headphones to represent different vibes. And we did this one um, with an Afro. Um, so it's a, it's a drawn Afro uh, with, the, with the classic Afro pick uh, stuck in it on the headphones and it, it we call it's called the soul idol and uh one of my good friends um and um she is she is not a person of color she's like i so love this t-shirt so much and she's like but can i wear it <laughs> that's the that's the question i i think that's such a huge part of your company is, it is, is answering it is. that question it, it is and so my question back to her was why are you wearing it mm. 
it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about why you wear it. Because let me tell you, there's a lot of perspective out there. There is not a lack of opinion. So I walk every day <laughs> with, with this skin. So you walking with that, if you can tell people why you're wearing it, um, then that's, that at the end of the day is all that matters. It's like, if you love the graphic, great. Say like, I love the graphic. If you love what it represents, and you're like, I love that it represents the contribution of communities of color to the overall soul. And that's what it was created about. I didn't create it for just people of color to wear it. Um, that's like, it wasn't built as a, like, this is only built for people of X, you know, color to wear. Uh, it was built as a celebration of America's overall tapestry um, was from the contribution of people of color. It is the soul, like part of the soul of America mm -hmm. is people of color. So it's like, it wasn't meant to be a single identity um, shirt, the t-shirt, it was built to be uh, a celebration t-shirt. Um, and she ended up buying it. And she, she's like, I love wearing the shirt. I love the reaction I get with people when I wear it. And it's like, and that, that at the end of the day was about, like we design a lot of these things to spark conversation. Um, so there's a, there's a, a design on right now. It's got Josephine Baker, um, on it. So she's on a hoodie, you know, and she's, um, in the center of a heart shape of bananas. And it was designed because I don't think enough people know about the story of Josephine Baker, about the story of how she was a vital part of World War II. She was a secret agent spy. Um, she left the U.S. because as a Black woman, she's like, I will never get the recognition that, you know, of, of achieving what I can do here. She went to Paris, France, became one of the biggest superstars at the time um, through being in Europe. And at the, at the beginning of World War II, she became a covert spy. Um, she has a connection to Ian Fleming, um, who ended up writing the James Bond series. So part of it is, you know, when people sit, you know, when you sit across from somebody on the train, the bus, the subway, walking down the street, and they go, who is that? You now have the chance of like, let me tell you about Josephine Baker. Mm, I love that. Everything we do, everything we design, there is a story behind it. Yes, it has to be cool. So at the end of the day, we don't design something that like doesn't have like a cool factor to it, that it's like, you know, it, it has to be something that people want to wear. But there is a why. Uh, behind it. So, and I think what people love when they come into the shop uh, and they ask, you know, it's like, so, you know, the chess pieces, like I love all the chess pieces, like what are the chess pieces for? So we have the, you know, sweatshirts with um, the knight, uh, the queen, the king on it. It's like, we designed the chess pieces in 2021. Um, it was designed, inspired by, uh, through the looking glass, um, Alice in Wonderland. Because uh, the question was, on what side of the looking glass are we? Are we inside the glass or are we outside of glass? I think it's coming out of 2020. Oh, I think everyone's a little confused on is this reality um, or is this is this a fantasy world? So there is a there's an intentionality, uh, and I know Beth has some. She has some. Beth gets a lot of the background stuff before even stuff gets out. So she has you know some things that are coming out that has even a a, a more uh, intentional story that I, I call like it's it's been the 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 point I've been trying to get to. And there's some things that we have on the drawing board that I think will will kind of just wrap the story up into a, a bow. Um, I had a pre-order. So I'm excited about that. I'm like, yes, sign me up. Yes, sign me up. I'm gonna go try that on. Yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got a sampler right here too, Daryl. Yeah, well, 
I, 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 I another model, Daryl. He could try to be your model. I don't know I don't if know. you want to put my ugly mug on your website, but I'll <laughs> definitely wear it. <laughs> I, 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 I'm happy. The more people who are, uh, you know, able to, you know, create communities um, around the design, yeah. that's how it builds. But um, it's been a great way to voice, you know, things that I see, things that I experience um, and turn it into art and design. Mm -hmm. And it is a culmination of 24 uh, years of, of work and background. It's fantastic. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my personal quick perception of this. I'm going through it. And the thing that popped out at me the most, I love the freedom use. Just that the art of Frida that. Is, people oh, love Frida. Love that shirt. But the one oh. that jumped out at me was the Prophet, the Malcolm X. Because to me, I see that and I think courage and conviction two things that I teach my kids all the time Yep. You know, and, and how important that is to be courageous. No, even when the world's against you, when you see something wrong, step up, speak up yep. and, and do it with conviction, say what you mean and mean what you say. So for me, my initial thought was, okay, where can I wear that? That was my first question to myself. Could I wear that? And then you've changed me in three minutes where I want somebody to ask me why I'm wearing it. Yeah. That's, 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 that is how change happens. Yeah. That's how change, change happens through conversation. And we, I, I think in so many ways, we are afraid of the conversations mm -hmm. uh, because we're fed, we're fed the, the tales. Like if you think of a normal distribution, uh, we're fed the extremes. Like we see so much insurrection and just 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 like just stuff that just like I think stresses us out where I think there's a 80 90 percent of people who are in that in that biggest part of that curve who really it, I think if you engage in conversation um you find that there's a lot of centrist understanding and and willingness to to appreciate the other side of the conversation and figure out how do we go from here um and not just kind of sit so 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 soundly in what is just like a frenetic uh angst filled place where we are right now and so if 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 a design like malcolm like the prophet um can create a conversation so yeah. for me when we designed that there was a quote i found in the earlier series we did we put the quote on the back of the t-shirt we didn't do it on the hoodie this time um but there's a quote that basically capital cap encapsulate why we did that design and it basically said um malcolm does not represent uh how far we come he represents how far we have to go exactly mm -hmm. love it and that's I, exactly what that's why, that's why we that's why we designed it you know there, there's a reason why he has red white and blue um on it's like we all see america through different lenses exactly that's why he's wearing the glasses that's why they're red white and blue stacked it's like and but we all have to appreciate that we all have different experiences uh in america and it's through those conversations around those experiences that we truly understand what does freedom look like what does uh gun control look like what does food deserts look like like we have to be able to appreciate that we all don't look through the same um the same eyeglasses and yeah. see see the world and I'm so hungry, Daryl. I want to come back to your website in a month and I want videos of you doing what you just <laughs> did. 
I, I seriously, that is, that is a new, I want to go to sound off that. design and I want to hear Daryl and anybody in your company. I want, I want, I want to see videos of you talking about what this means to them and the conversations and everything we've talked about in the last half an hour. Cause you know, you got this unbelievable picture of you about sound off. You've got your mission and core values up here, but this, your website is just screaming for your voice to be heard. And if I, I could, mean, if I, could. I would send anytime you want to promote this social media, I will, I will send it to my followers. I'll copy it because we need, we need a thousand more of you in the world and yeah. what you're doing. It's great. I, I love appreciate it. it. That is, um, that is my, you know, I, I would say we always evolve. We always learn new skills and we always, you know, develop ourselves. My next evolution, and it's something that's going to happen over the next month because it, it's, and Beth, Beth knows this because of where she's been with the journey of me seeing kind of this whole evolution of uh, my sound off and swag and stuff like that is the brand, the brand deserves a voice. Mm -hmm. um, it is, you can't sound off without somebody sounding off and you're not the first person. Uh, I would put you on a very, uh, you're now on the second page of a list of people uh, who have said, um, when are you going to start you know, talking more about the yeah. brand? more out there so that is my next turn you know even starting in the next month of actually talking about the why behind yeah. uh, the brand and using platforms like tiktok and linkedin yeah and instagram and you know particularly with a lot you know with the WNBA, what's been so great with it is we are designing along their journey so their game season so as they as they go through their uh juneteenth pride women's health hbcu night we're designing themes, patches, commemorative patches along that journey. So I am going to be talking about, you know, in video format, you know, the why behind the freedom patch. Like, what is a what does freedom look like? Why do we celebrate Juneteenth? Juneteenth wasn't freedom. Juneteenth was about emancipation. Um, freedom is a journey. Um, so, and there's a reason why the design um, is a star, but the star is not complete because freedom is never fully complete um, for every person. So we're always evolving. So I am going to be adding more context behind the brand because I've relied in the past on writing about it. Um, so it's in a lot of it's in the product description, a lot of it's in different other formats. But you're very much right. It does need to have uh, a voice and it's all it's all in my head. I, I just need to get my comfort level of now being more in front of camera. That's why I've been doing a little bit more photography this year. Um, and now the next step is to actually, you know, do more vocalizing because um, I'm very comfortable with it in corporate. You know, I've had to do meetings and Zooms and all this kind of stuff. I just haven't been as forthright in terms of like, you know, this is broad retail. This is hitting, you know, everybody, you know, could be, could be touching it, but I'm getting there. That's, the, that's, that's my next evolution for the brand and for me. If, if Even if you did a five minute YouTube video every month with like a new design and it's just you talking about what that design means and the conversation you want it to create, it would be appointment viewing for me. I would look yes. forward to getting that tweet or that email that Daryl's got a new product out. He's got a new YouTube video explaining the product or the conversation that he wants to create with it. And I would, I would, I would tap into that every single month and look forward to it. So cool. I, mean, I love what you're doing. You've got a fan in me and I'm, I'm really thankful that I got to meet you. I love what you're doing. Thanks. I, I, I appreciate that. That gives me uh, extra 
motivation. So, and Beth is as a, is an excellent uh, catalyst. So she is not going to let this go. Oh, um, I see next week she's like, "So you got that first YouTube up yet? Like, yeah, how are we doing with that? I mean, so. We have accountability. He does it with me. I do it with him. So it's great. It's great. <laughs> great. Well, I'm I'm glad I have a I'm glad I'm part of the the accountability network. Absolutely. Um, so. Well, Dara, we have like for our final time, and again, super appreciative that you've given us this much time. We know that you have a lot going on, but um, we have a fun Q&A rapid fire that we like to do at the end of each podcast. So we'll go ahead and kick that off if you're ready for it. You ready? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go for it, Matt. Uh, if you weren't doing what you're doing right now, what would you do? You could do Cook. anything you wanted. Cook. That was nice. Noted. noted. Daryl, I didn't realize that. So I have a kitchen that I'd like to see <laughs> the skills put to action to see. <laughs> that if I wasn't doing what I'm doing right now. So I'm just saying. <laughs> we could clear off a Friday evening. You can make okay. it happen. Okay. So what would you tell your 21-year-old self now, looking back? Uh, be open to the journey. Don't mm. plan it out. I love it. I love it. Is there a book or a podcast you want to share with the world that you, you've loved, that's inspired you, that you think has been significant in your journey that others should read or listen to? Um, I, I, can't, I don't have the book in front of me, uh, but there's a book that just came out uh, last year, and I've been re- it, it is the story of Josephine Baker, um, and it reveals a lot of what she was doing behind the scenes. Uh, a lot of it has been intentionally kept withheld uh, because it's been secret and you know all the stuff but now they're actually revealing like how she was transporting secret information how the, you know she was making connections and how she was using her star status it is a it is an amazing story of your situation does not dictate what you can achieve and do mm, that's awesome. I think her life story is just truly um inspiring for anybody I'm gonna look that up. That is great. that is that the movie that Halle Berry did? Her life story was that one of them? I feel like there was something. There's was just... been a couple of them. Uh, I think Lynn Whitfield. I think did one movie. Lynn Whitfield. Okay. Many years back, but yeah, okay. there's been a couple interpretations of her story. All right. What's your go-to comfort food? Cereal. <laughs> what kind? Do you have a specific one or just? the whole game i like to mix cheerios and life cereal i mix oh, it i bought a big cereal thing and i buy uh just plain cheerios and i buy like the sugary like cinnamon life and uh shake them together and i get like you know i get the the mix of both worlds that's perfect i do the same thing i like to mix cheerios with other cereals please what's what's your go-to movie when when you you need a little confidence builder a little joy builder what do you go to uh Two series I can watch anytime. They well, well, technically three, but two definitely. Uh, Lord of the Rings, the original three. Yeah. Anytime they're on TV, I just like oh, God. It's like I missed them the first time. Um, and uh, Matrix, the original three. Two great series. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. What'd you think of the fourth one they just did last oh. year? Yeah, you know, I, I I left the movie going. Sometimes you just need to stop. <laughs> when you, when you, there, there is just a point where like yeah it's great leave it alone yeah you i felt the same way the story for everybody yeah yeah I, it was good i wanted to love it but it just didn't make me feel the way the first three did no no there's a there's a magic 
there's sometimes when people think that like you can recreate the magic and you're like maybe you can't <laughs> maybe, maybe you can. all right if you could be king for a day what would you implement or change uh i would destroy political parties <laughs> that, that'll be the part two podcast up. we're gonna do with you <laughs> <laughs> we're signing you up then <laughs> what next looking forward to it <laughs> All right. Last question is I want you to sound off. No pun intended. Well, quite a bit of pun intended. Um, what's the one piece of advice you want to, that you feel has been really significant that was given to you that you want to share? Um, so when I, when I took over the role of chief talent officer at SG2 and Michael, um, Michael Saxon and I were working together. So he was our CEO, chairman, founder of the company. Uh, he gave me one piece of advice and it was around when people, when people leave, uh, companies, uh, and it's something I have used, um, over and over with people as they make their journey out, uh, or how to help teams, um, as they begin to work with people in their journey out. And his, his piece of advice was make your last day the best day, because that's the day people remember. No one will remember your first day. They won't remember all the things you did. They remember how you leave mm. because your your leaving is what people take with them into other roles. And, and like and you never know where roads cross again. You never know when you're going to find that path across somebody. And if you leave, even if it wasn't a great situation, you know there is like you know sometimes it just doesn't work out um, for whatever reason. But if you if you leave in a manner that, you know, hey, it didn't work out, like, I hope we can find something else down the road again, you know, people remember that. And they remember that, like, you know, hey, it didn't work out because they didn't have the right technical skill or they didn't have the right X, Y, and Z, but they were a great person to work with. Like, they put their heart into it. They tried and we tried and it just didn't meld. And and they just left, you know, you leave with that good feeling of like, you know, maybe something will come down the road, maybe we'll see you down the road. So that make your last day the best day um, fits not only in, you know, work relationships, it's also personal relationships, isn't everything, you know, you do that, that last impression is what people, you know, keep first most in their mind. Um, so it's one thing that I've always, you know, tried to do, you know, when I leave, you know, even if it's not, um, you know, the best situation of what you're leaving from, or you're angry, or you have frustration, or this and the other, um, you know, just kind of call it, it's like, hey, it didn't work. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe the next thing will work. Um, but people have long memories, people, uh, and I've seen some flame outs, I've seen some people like truly like, you know, take kerosene um, with napalm and a match to, to their last day, you're like, I will, like, you can't even not, not remember it. I mean, you're just like, that was epic. Um, and it, 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 it leaves, it leaves a story. It leaves a story in your mind. So, um, that's my biggest piece of advice. You know, I give people. It's such a great advice. Relationships, marriages, friendships, you know, it, it transitions to translates to everything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Daryl, thank you again for your time. This was an amazing, we went over an hour and again, appreciate that. Um, and so I just 
again, I always look forward to the next steps. Matt, obviously, now is going to be added to the accountability partner of uh, <laughs> YouTube, TikToks. I'll have to sign up for TikTok. Um, but I have a whole group of friends that always send them to me. So we'll make sure we get those um, going too to continue to support what you're doing out there because it's it's fantastic. So thank you. thank you. I'm going to have to get another job because my daughter's going to want about eight sweatshirts once <laughs> <laughs> they show her the site. That's the problem. I keep getting pre-orders. So I'm like, hey, what's one for me? Can I have another one of those? And I'm like, hmm, so great. So You know, you know I'm just trying, to, just trying to put a product that people love together. It's good. It's good. It's great. Well, thanks again, Daryl. Thank you. Have a great one, Daryl. Thanks for talking to us. We'll talk to you soon. Later. Bye-bye. So Matt, what'd you think of Daryl? Home run. I mean, uh, what he's what he's trying to build with this company sound off uh, was fantastic. I love the message. I love the conversation it's creating. I love that he's he's attacking fear with intelligence and wisdom and kindness and joy and community and um you know I, I don't think the word hate came up in our conversation but what he's doing to dissolve that word and and show people it's okay to be different it's okay to be a part of a community that maybe doesn't look like you to care about things that maybe aren't from your background just love it. Just a great guy, great attitude, great mindset, great purpose. Um, I'm so thankful we get to share him with, with the world. I agree. And I, I also think it's great just taking the combination of his experiences. You know, when you kind of been provoked, talk to me about talent acquisition and then seeing the evolution of those experiences and how he would put, you know, he put his ideas and his perspective in its skill-based role, forget about having had that 20-year experience. But yeah. I've seen I've read a few articles recently about hire for potential too. Don't forget about right. that. You know, and so and then where he's come to now of just almost like we had when we had, you know, one of our other guests, Eric Levinson, um, also really taking the just Think about all the opportunities of passion and having that passion really be advanced in a variety of different ways. And then what he's doing with sound off is just incredible. But I just, I think it plays in so many different fields and so many different parts of the world from corporate America to schools to you name it. It's yeah. great, great I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's, uh, he's got so much um, experience and knowledge, you know, I, I look at your resume on LinkedIn. I look at Daryl's resume and I'm like, gosh, how do you guys not get five phone calls a week with people going, Hey, I just, I see what you've done. I just want to have a conversation with you. This is something my company's looking for. And I want to see if you're interested in having a conversation about what we're trying to deal with. I, that's what I don't understand about talent acquisition. If my job is to acquire talent, I, you know, my mindset is the same with Daryl's. I'm going to go to the universities. I'm going to go find, if I'm looking for a, a specialty, I'm looking for diversity. I'm looking for inclusiveness. I'm going to go to the universities where I can find young people that embrace it and schools that embrace it. But I also have to get on the LinkedIn's and I have to look at resumes and I have to pursue the people that I want. I can't just wait for the right person to show up at my door. I have to go find them. 
And I think that's a failure of talent acquisition is we're, we're not creating lists of things. I need this. I got to go find that person. I got to go find that gift. You know, when not I was, only, yeah, not only that, but I think building relationships, exactly yeah. what you're talking about, but taking of what am I missing? What don't I have? And I need to bring in, but then how do I build relationships with people out there that have that, whether to brainstorm with or to acquire? Yeah. So I think yeah. interesting. Yeah. And, and, and I know both of us have found ourselves finding people and, and going, you know, hey, I don't need you right now in terms of I don't have a job for you. Mm-hmm. But boy, I'd love to talk to you about your experience. I'd love to just learn about you and have a friendship with you that, you know, if I can help you down the road or you can help me down the road or we can have a conversation about something different down the road. And I think that's that's something that's really special about you, Beth and how you live your life. I mean, you have a collection of people. You, you're, you're the Louvre of human beings. I, yeah. I've always told people that um, I pride myself on being cool by association. Yeah. And I believe that I truly have from a variety of different backgrounds and ages and friends and um, all over the world, frankly, of people that I think are just so cool, just what they bring to the table. If I just get to hang out with them a little bit, I, again, that's the association. I always joke with people, but it's, I just love getting to know people and learning their story. And so that's why I love that we're doing this podcast. Cause I think it just tip of the iceberg of what we get to learn about yeah. some others and hopefully bring them to others, you know, in, in their worlds and how they can leverage those voices or those ideas or those, uh, that advice. Yeah. Great. And for those of the people that are hanging hanging with us and been listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Beth and I are really trying hard to get better at this, being better interviewers, having better questions, uh, trying to find the heart of every conversation and, and giving you information and wisdom and leadership that hopefully will make an impact and be significant in your life. So Thanks for your patience with us. Keep hanging with us. We're, we're getting better. We're finding our confidence. We're finding our vibe as, as Mr. Daryl Sneed uh, is sharing with the world. We're finding ours and we're finding our voice too. Absolutely. And so again, we always want to hear feedback. So please don't hesitate to email us at be significant, the number four, the letter U at gmail.com. We'd love it if you would share this podcast with your friends and hit subscribe. We are on Apple and Spotify as a platform. And with that, don't let life happen to you. Make it happen. Don't forget to be significant. Thanks so much.